Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church right here in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's exactly what Jesus said in John 10.10. And we're in a series right now on awakening real faith with a message called Unseen, Compelled by Faith as you're about to hear the powerful impact that real faith has on those around us, especially in a world that doesn't believe, real faith stands out. It is inspiring and transforming. Pastor Sean will start the teaching in 2 Kings. It's time now for Real Life Radio. When Elisha, the man of God, heard the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. It's interesting. So this went on for a couple days. I don't know how long it took for word to get out to Elijah. The king didn't send for him. He gets word. And so he hears about it, and he sends a messenger back to the king. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he'll know that there is a prophet in Israel, a prophet of God. So Naaman went with horses, the chariots, stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him. Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, Well, I thought he'd surely come out to me, stand, call in the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot, and cure me of my leprosy. Naaman had been watching Christian TV, okay? He wanted the show, okay? He wanted the Benny Hinn thing, I mean, the full enchilada. He knew what was supposed to happen. The guy's supposed to come out. He's supposed to wave his hand. He's supposed to have a little show, a little song and dance. Maybe the choir sings, and then boom, and he's put off. He, he didn't even come out. He just sends a messenger. So he's mad. He didn't come. He didn't wave his hand and cure. He goes on. Are not Albana and Farpar, the rivers in Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I just wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in rage. Now, we're about to learn something else that really is revealing about the character of this warrior, Naaman. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you to wash and be cleansed? So he went down. And he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. There's so much right there. First of all, the man had the humility to listen to the wisdom of one of his servants. If he'd asked you to go and do some great crusade, would you have done it? Well, of course. I'm a warrior. That's what I do. Well, then why not do it? And then he asked him to go down and dip seven times in the Jordan. And he was right. They had better rivers right there in, Damascus, in, in, in Syria. Why couldn't they do that? So don't you know the first time he dips? Nothing. Still nothing. I mean, don't you know he felt stupid? He's this proud military warrior. All his guys are standing there. They had to talk him into going and doing it. Anything yet, sir? No. Seven times. Kind of like maybe the children of Israel felt when they were walking around Jericho. One time, you know. For me, it's always the veggie tail image. Keep walking, but you won't knock down our wall. But I digress, okay? (laughs) Ah, you got more VeggieTale fans than, you know, but he had to have kind of that feeling of, it doesn't work. I told you I needed the waving of the hands and the voice and the stuff. But then the seventh time, it says he came up and his skin was like that of a baby. It was new. And understand, um, it wasn't just the way it was before, because this man was a warrior. He wasn't young. He was the commander. He was getting up in years. Do you imagine how scarred and brutalized his skin had been over the years of that kind of warfare? Not anymore. His skin is like that of a young child. And he looks, and he's amazed. 
And for us, how many times does God ask us to do things that are contrary to what we think should happen? We think it should look like this. It should be the show. We should, this is how it works, God, because I've read the books and da-da-da. And I think God intentionally asks us to do things different so that our, our focus, our objective, even our worship won't be on the method or even on the outcome that we desire. It'll all be on him. He asks us to do things that don't make sense. He asks us to do things that sometimes stretch us because then there's no doubt about who did what. So it doesn't become an incantation, some sort of formula that if I run the formula, then, it'll, then God always does this. It doesn't work like that. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. And he stood before him. Now the man of God came out, by the way. And he said, now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. The prophet answers, as surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. Now I know there's no God in all the world except in Israel. This man was radically transformed. He saw the power of God and it changed him. This story is really unusual, I think fascinating, because it has three kind of unique almost unexpected twists to it. First is where it takes place. The fact that it took place with this Syrian guy in Syria. Luke 4, 27. Jesus commented on this, how unusual this was. He said, there were many in Israel with leprosy at the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. So this caught Jesus' attention. And he said, all the lepers in Israel, not one cured. It was instead Naaman. You see, we got to get rid of this idea of God working exactly for us as we see things. God is God, and he works sometimes in godless places, in and through godless people. He's looking for hearts that are his. We tend to think of God in terms of us and them. He's our God, and he works on our behalf. Yet Joshua learned better. I love this passage. It's in Joshua chapter 5. It's right before the battle of Jericho. Joshua's out kind of strategizing and thinking. And in verse 13 of Joshua 5, we read, Now when Joshua was near Jericho... He looked up and saw a man standing in front of him and a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemy? Neither, the man replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does the Lord have for his servant? I love that. I love that. He walks up. Are you for us or for our enemy? No. I come as the commander of the army of the Lord. And Joshua got it immediately and bowed down on his face, fell down on his face in front of him because Joshua knew what was, was going on. See, Joshua asked the wrong question. And I think we asked that question too. The question is not, is God for us? It's, are we for God? Because <laughs> he's God. The question is not, God, are you on my, our side? Because that's how we kind of try to work it out. God, I want you to bless this. I got this plan. I want you to bless it. God, I got this thing I want to do and I need, need you to bless it, God. I, want, I got this person I got to influence. I need you to, to bless my plan. It's the wrong question. Instead, it should be more, God, I want to be a part of your plan. In my family, God, what's your plan? I want to be a catalyst. I want to be a a player in your plan, God. What do you want to do? Because you're God. I trust you. God at work. What do you want to do? There's people all around. God, I want to be a part of what you're doing here. For Joshua, this was the God who had led them out of Egypt under Moses. This was the God who he had experienced and seen. This was a God he'd follow through the wilderness. But he was reminded, it's the wrong question if you ask, okay, are you for us or for the enemy? 
No, I'm, I'm God. The question is, are you for me? Second Chronicles 69 says, The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God works wherever hearts are open. We think in terms of us and them, our God doing for us. That's not how it works. God's looking. He's looking for hearts that are tender and open. And in Syria, in the days of Elisha, he found faith. God will only work where he's trusted, revered, and where faith exists. Second thing I think is kind of funny and interesting about the story is who's involved. This whole thing happened because of a slave girl and in spite of a king. Because of, we don't even get her name. We don't know her name. You can't put her in, the, in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, because we don't know her name. But without her, this doesn't happen. Because here's a little girl taken as a slave whose life was gone. It was ruined, but it wasn't because she still had God. And she knew it. And so she still had space in her heart to love her master. And she still had faith enough to tell him, there's a God in Israel. There's a God who can heal you. Unbelievable. And while a king can only worry about himself, only worry about how this affects him, this is an unbelievable and beautiful contrast. And it reminds us that greatness in the kingdom has nothing to do with position or rank. It has everything to do with faith. And of course, what ultimately happens is huge. A powerful leader is healed, and that's noteworthy. He's made clean of an incurable disease. That's powerful. But a powerful leader also becomes a true worshiper. I now know and believe there is no God but the God who is in Israel. Read, reading on in 2 Kings 5, 2 Kings 5, 17 through 19. Remember, he had offered Elisha a gift, and he said, I'm not taking any gift. He says, verse 17, if you'll not, said Naaman, Please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of two, a pair of mules can carry. It's kind of an odd request, but okay. There's some dirt. Have at it. Listen to why he wants it. For your servant will never again make a burnt offering, make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other god but the Lord. He identified God with Israel, and he wanted a piece of land so that he could make a place. He would never worship. He would never worship again to any god but Jehovah, the God he had met there the Jordan River in Israel. And let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in a series on faith called Unseen. And if you'd like to hear the full message or even watch the video podcast from Pastor Sean, it's available right now on demand on the sermon page at the River City website called reallife.org. And if you'd like to come and visit River City, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. And back to this message called Compelled by Faith. This is Real Life Radio. And then listen to this. Listen how serious he is. So this is a heart transformation. This isn't just, oh, this is so cool. I'm healed. It's a God thing and kind of move on and forget about it. 
There's something deep going on in this man. He's planning ahead. Okay, this is what I do for worship, so I'm going to worship only this God. And then he's thinking about potential problems. He says to Elisha, but may the Lord forgive your servant himself. May your Lord forgive me for this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Ramon, a false god, an idol, to bow down and is leaning on my arm, and I have to bow there also. When I bow down in the temple of Ramon, may the Lord forgive your servant for this. And Elisha says, go in peace. Don't worry about it, Naaman. God's not petty. God sees your heart. Man looks at the outward appearance. God sees your heart. He knows. So he's strategically now planning his worship and obedience of the Lord. That's a man whose heart's changed. This isn't some emotional thing. Well, I'm glad God did what I want, and you know I'm happy for a day, but then I'm going to forget. I will never worship again except that I worship the God of Israel. And there is this thing I have to do with my master, the king, but I want the Lord to know. I'm not bowing my heart to anyone but him. That's a transformation. And when we stop and consider the faith of a little girl kind of was a catalyst for all this, and we think of a world in need of healing, desperately in need of healing, physically healed. We need mental healing, spiritual, emotional, relational healing. I mean, stop and think about all the things that break our heart every day. And you see the power of God to bring about healing. You you see the power of God to transform people's hearts. We live in a world that desperately needs to see and experience the fruit of real faith. I believe real faith, as evidenced in this little girl, is life-transforming. I believe it is compelling. I believe it changes hearts and lives. In fact, if you're taking notes, write this down, please. I want you to remember this. Real faith lets the world see God's power rather than just hearing about it. Real faith lets the world see God's power rather than just hearing about it. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote, 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and 5. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. By the way, this is the guy who wrote most of the New Testament. So he had some pretty wise and persuasive words, okay? But they were not where the rubber met the road. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Yeah, Paul wrote some beautiful words and they were significant, but let me tell you, had there been no demonstration of the Spirit's power, we would not be talking about him this morning. We would not be aware of the rabbi Paul from the first century. He would be just another rabbi, teacher, philosopher, thinker who had faded with time. But because of the power of God at work in and through his ministry, it started a spark that set a fire that went the world wide. My, my, my preaching was not with just wise and persuasive words, but a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest in human wisdom, but on God's power. Real faith has a powerful influence because of God's presence and his power that has moved through real faith. Had a conversation, I'm sure you've maybe had one similar, it was on Facebook, with uh, some friends who I'd grown up with, okay? Um, Not believers. um, Particularly one of them was uh, just a blatant and aggressive unbeliever. And we conversation about spiritual things and this young woman just kind of shared how she can't see how a rational educated thinking person can can possibly believe this stuff can possibly believe in god in christ the evidence and and she and we were kind of quoting authors back and forth and and just kind of going back and forth a little bit it was very brief and it was pleasant enough but she was just in disbelief have you ever encountered anything like that 
How could you possibly believe that? I was up at some board meetings. I'm, I serve on the General Oversight Council for our Fellowship of Churches, and I was up at some board meetings this week, and uh, one of our guys gave a devotional. He's actually an attorney from New York City. Um, and uh, he got, you know, a spiritual conversation kind of emerged in their office, and ha- he just kind of chimed in a little bit with some folks. And he had one of the guys in the office go, how can you possibly believe this? You're an educated man. How can how you believe that? And as I had this conversation with this young woman, it was interesting because as it emerged, I noticed there's a lot of emotion, a lot of feeling in what was being said. And I realized she doesn't want to believe. She's been wounded. She's been wounded. And, and immediately I realized she's not going to be convinced by words. Nothing I'm going to say or anyone is going to say is going to convince him. In fact, that's pretty much a, a really good principle to remember. I mean, words are helpful. You know, I love apologetics, and it's helpful to, cha- to make sure our thinking is clear and we're articulating ideas with clarity and precise and, and, and in ways that people understand. That being said, words were not going to do anything for her. She needs to see the power of God. She needs to see the real power of God in her life and lives around her. And that's my prayer for her, that she will see in the people around her the power of God and see it as real. Because that doesn't necessarily mean she's going to fall on her knees and repent and give her heart to Jesus. What it does mean is she realizes there is a real God. Because you can't deny the power of God. And as much as I love apologetics, folks, we're never going to talk people into real life change. At some point, they've got to have an encounter with the power of God, the real spirit of God. That's the biblical truth. Real faith lets the world see God's power rather than just hearing about it. And the faith that we see in this little slave girl was so transformative. A couple things real quickly about that faith. First of all, real faith empowers compassion. What I find so fascinating as I contrast her and this king is how much she cared and how little he did. He's totally self-focused and she's got God's heart because her faith was real. She passionately cared because she really believed. Do we care? How are we doing on our compassion? And and I will tell you... um, And and please do not think that I am anti-technology in any way. I probably love it too much, okay? But I do know it has allowed us to cram too much into our lives even more. If we used to do it just naturally with paper and pencil, now because of electronic things and devices and technology and transportation and telecommunications, we can cram even more excess into our lives, okay? One of the big casualties is care. I don't have time to care. Even I want to care. It's, it's like we reduce ourselves to the Facebook prayers, okay? You know, Facebook prayers, okay? It's like, you know, I, okay, because I, if, I, if I spend any amount of time on Facebook, there's going to be a hundred prayers that I'm going to, and so I'm going to be offering up these little shotgun prayers, and I can't really take time to care. What I can take time to do is click like, and you know, that's a Facebook prayer. I liked it. <laughs> that thumbs up is my prayer for you. You know, and, and hey, I'm not saying that's bad. By the way, if I have some prayer need on Facebook, I better get a thumbs up from you, okay? I want that Facebook like prayer, you know, I know how it is. But it's like, we, there's, we're so overwhelmed by so much, it's like we don't even have time to really stop and care and really find out what's happening, get involved and engage like this little girl did. We're more like that king who was so busy, had so much on his mind. Well, this is going to affect this, and this is going to affect this, and this is going to affect this. All he could think about was himself. We're so filled with self, I'm afraid, 
We don't have time to care. The beautiful thing about when we do begin to care, when we do make space and begin to care, faith reminds us there's actually real help for the hurting and the hopeless. Our care, our compassion is empowered. We're not helpless bystanders. When we say we'll pray, we're doing the most powerful thing in the universe because we believe there really is a God and faith lets us know we are not helpless. We're not hopeless. There's power behind the prayers of people of faith. I don't see how we can not share when we have received so much. How can I have received so much from God's hand and not have compassion and not care, not share that with people? And for me, when I read this story, there's a heart check for me. Naaman was an enemy. He had enslaved her. Her love and her care, her compassion is inspiring to me. Lord, give me the kind of faith that can care like that. Real faith lets the world see God's power rather than just hearing about it. Second thing, real faith reflects confidence. It reflects confidence. Again, the slave girl versus the king. She was confident. Oh, yeah, if you just went to the man of God, you could be healed. The king was like, there's no way. I don't know what, I don't know what it could do. This is all about me. She had confidence. And the question for us as we think about our faith, what do I really believe? Do I believe all this is real? Does God have real power? Am I willing to step out and put my name on the line? Am I confident enough to get involved in the power of God? Real faith changes that. That little girl had real faith. And so she stepped up and got involved and became part of a miracle. Because real faith lets the world see God's power rather than just hearing about it. Last thing, real faith compels communication. She couldn't help but speaking up because she knew what she'd seen. She knew what she believed. We're afraid to speak. Well, that's not my place. Ah, I shouldn't say anything. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote, Romans 10, 14 and 15. How then can they call on the one they've not believed in? How can they believe in one they have not heard, of whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Here's my question for us. How can we keep quiet? How can we possibly keep quiet when we've been so blessed, when we have this opportunity, this power? I mean, and, and, and really, we worry about, well, I don't want to proselyte. When you really believe, who cares about proselyting? This isn't about proselyting. This is about bringing the power of God to bear in someone's life who has a need. Someone I care about. Someone who I want to see something great about. Someone comes to me with sickness. I can just go, well, I hope it goes okay. I'm sorry to hear that. Or I can say, well, let me pray. God's not on a string that he's like a genie in a bottle going to do whatever I ask. But God said to pray for healing, so I'm going to ask. And he often says yes. And then other times, you know what he does instead of heal? He does even better things. We need to understand that. At any time we go before the Lord and say, Lord, I want your best for my friend. You told me to pray for healing, so I'm going to pray for healing, God. You told me to pray for your will. I'm praying for your will. You know, and we're sitting here worrying about political correctness. That means we don't understand what's going on. People who understand the need, the brokenness, the hurt, yet they're not worried about political correctness. They're worried about bringing people to their Savior who they know, wow, he changed my life. He can do that for you. Let me tell you about Jesus. You can't help but speak when you've actually experienced it. And that brings up a good point. You have to ask yourself, have I experienced real faith? And so I'm going to ask you, in response to this message, begin to pray for real faith. If you're like, boy, I'm not sure if I believe that. I'm I'm hesitant because I don't know. Begin to pray. Ask the Lord for real faith. Say, God, I'm not sure I believe. I want to believe. You know that's a very 
That's a biblical prayer. In fact, there's a guy in scripture who says, Lord, I believe. And then right away he goes, help my unbelief. I love that prayer. That's the most honest prayer in scripture. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. That's okay. Ask and begin to pray for faith. And then begin to live and experience real faith. And that's simply by when you begin to sense God asking you to respond or to do something, do it. Just do it. See what he does. And watch your faith build. And then I want to challenge you to begin to share that faith. Become a person who begins to spread it. Who begins to tell your friends. It's not about memorizing every scripture and boring your friends to tears with sermons. No, that's my job, okay? You don't have to do that, all right? It's not about that. It's about simply sharing what you've received. And like a little girl, a little slave girl, saying, oh, there's a God who can do something about that. Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Real Life Radio in this series called Unseen, Awakening Real Faith. And if you'd like to hear the full unedited message and this series, it's available right now when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to come and visit us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road, right behind Rotama Park. You can find the details, directions, and service times also at reallife.org. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church, we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Matama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.